0: Welcome to the second installment of What We Talk About When We Can't Talk About Football with me, Ben James, from View from the Minion. Joining me as ever down the line from his flat in Wandsworth is Tom Phillips. Tom Phillips.
1: Thank you for having me again, Ben. I thought you would have kicked me out after my debut last week. So <laughs> it's a real confidence <laughs> boost for me.
0: There's a third time to charm, really. And I know this is time too, but you've got one more strike on you. Yeah. Think,
1: I'm, right? I'm seeing this as like the difficult second album.
0: I think so. so. Um, we we'll see how
1: it plays out.
0: I think you know we've got we've got a list of things to talk about um some good some bad um but I guess the the starting point for this week is something we touched on last time which was eBay and the fact that we've been watching each other bid on eBay auctions and um, this week it was your turn so you want to talk um talk about what you were bidding on and how, you, how and your strategy and how you won it so I had a successful
1: eBay exploit this week where I managed to get the cardiff city 1998 1999 home shirt i believe mm-hmm. that's the sports cafe um yep, sponsored one
0: cafe.
1: um it's a little bit battered the sponsor is definitely coming off but i got it for around 20 quid
0: so i'm pretty happy with that to be honest ben and, and who who who's the make on that kit who was the the producer of the kit is it zara i think it is zara yeah i, uh, we'll so. I should know this due to the fact that i just yeah, Zara, it, but... um, which I think they were our kit provider for a number of years. Um, classic kits by them included Modplan, Sports Café, and of course, Ken World of Cars. Um, but I think this, the Sports Café kit was kind of iconic in a, in a sense that it had those big white sleeves, didn't it?
1: Yeah, if they're massive. And I've stupidly bought a shirt that's definitely too big for me.
0: What size did so, you get? Extra large. And what what I'm, I'm a large. Normally? A large normally.
1: But I mean, lockdown. Yeah, yeah I'd not be funny if I carry on on my current trend, I'd be
0: filling it by
1: July, so...
0: Yeah, I think um, I think we're all in the same boat there, really. Um, I put on a, a shirt I had last week that's Excel and it's definitely feeling a bit tight. <laughs> I don't know why I've admitting that on live on a podcast, but um, I'm getting fat. Fatter yes, than I it's, already was. It's, it's making me feel better as a crock, on, not we? Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm happy to help you feel better in that sense, mate. Um, <laughs> so, I guess, I think we we said it about it last time. We've been I, I watched you kind of uh take the the result of that that shit in the last couple of seconds. You had a bidding strategy. Mm-hmm. Um I guess it was it was getting it for as cheap as possible, but trying to undercut the other guy.
1: So yeah, it was there it was on there for about I think it was on there for eighteen quid. And I thought like I'm the most I'm gonna bid is twenty five. So I waited until mm-hmm. there was three seconds left and just put twenty five in and I got it for twenty.
0: So result, it paid yeah. off really. Yeah, I think we learned a lesson from my, my raffle where someone was bidding £28 and a penny um, on something, which was really messing with my, my strategy. Um, so I think we've, we, we took what we learned from a previous eBay auction and put it into action on this one, and I'm glad it paid off for you. It paid off, but slightly worryingly,
1: I went to buy a Scrabble set off eBay earlier <laughs> on, and um, it gave me a warning that I'm bidding and watching too many items and wouldn't let me purchase it.
0: I mean, how many
1: items are you watching? I didn't think that it was that many. But <laughs> I think I might have to go back and have a look, to be honest with you.
0: Well, I I, I, I had a successful week on eBay this week because um, we watched, started watching, for some reason last week, the first ever series of Big Brother. Um, it's on Channel 4's YouTube, so we popped that on. <laughs> and um, to supplement it, I bought the the Big Brother board game off eBay for three pounds. Um, How was that a thing? I don't know. Um, it's brand new, um, It's it was sealed, and I got it for three quid, so I just couldn't resist it. Um, it and realize it's for four or more players, and there's only two of us in the flat. So, uh, can't next, actually po- play. <laughs> next podcast, that's four yeah, of us on for pod- the big brother game. <laughs> actually, yeah, it's a good idea. We'll play virtual virtual big brother game. I don't think it's a
1: good idea, it's an idea. Um, an idea.
0: I mean, any idea is a good idea at this stage, right? Um, so, so what else are you watching? Have you got any other Cardiff city related items on your eBay? Because I've got a few things I was going to highlight now, um, that I've just found in the 15 minutes prep I did for this podcast.
1: Well, the problem is now that if I buy an extra large, I'm I'm going into your territory a little bit, so we might have some crossover bidding, so I'll hmm. have to be careful. But I did see there was a mod plan one there,
0: the one you mentioned earlier on. Mod plan, I've got that tab open here. Um, 25 quid, I think the bidding is at the moment. I uh, might for that, that. that might be me. Um. Well, no, it's got no bids on it, so maybe there's two, but there's one oh. on there for twenty-four Um 99 replica shirt celebrating the centenary. I already own this shirt, but mine's signed by all the players back then, such luminaries as Danny Hill, um, John Williams, um, I can't remember who else was playing. for his. Graham Mitchell, I think, uh, signed from Ray Rovers. 46 games in a season, released him at the end of that season. Cracking. I don't know if these players are in that season, but um, it, they kind of ring a bell. Um, yeah, there's some there's interesting items on the kind of, sort of eBay kind of sphere at the moment. A 99-2000 replica, oh, no, 2000-2001, sorry, match-worn shirt. Uh, that's another Zara number with the Nationwide badges on the sleeve. That's 150. Ooh, Nationwide badges on the sleeve. That's a, that's a game-changer, to be honest. I can see that why it's 150. I think the most niche thing i found in the Cardiff City eBay searches so far is a match-worn Football League referee shirt from 2006-2007 from the whole City-Cardiff City game of the same year. It's a mint green. Um, it's got fly emirates on the sleeves and the Football League badge on the front. I can't see the manufacturer on it, um, but it's on a Marks & Spencer's hanger. So... That's currently going for ninety nine pounds ninety nine pence.
1: That's one for the fiver side, isn't it? If you turn up in that,
0: well, I mean, if you turn up in that, would you play or would you referee? You get made fun of either way, but um,
1: you'd have to referee, wouldn't you? <laughs> just, just don't worry about me, boys. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll referee this one. I've got my own whistle. <laughs> I,
0: went, I went to a, I played in a football tournament um, towards the end, towards like September of last year. It was a PR agency's football tournament. It was actually in August until I was September. And um, I played, turned up, and it was like we were a cobbled together team. And we all had to referee a game. So I was the first one on my team who was put forward to referee. And I've never really refereed a football match anymore. I thought I'd be all right in it. Forgot I had a whistle. Um, forgot that what the rules were, was just calling random free kicks and penalties. And uh, the team got rightly very annoyed at me. <laughs> but I just love the a whistle. That. Like, I was, there would be a foul, and I'd just go, oh, oh, foul. And then I'd blow the whistle afterwards, and I'd go, blow the whistle first. I was like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's, a, that's an understandable criticism. <laughs> I would like but to I, have I, seen that. I didn't have any eBay joy this week, but I did have some joy that was then swiftly taken away from me in terms of the uh, Kevin McNaughton raffles. Um, oh,
1: yes. Very funny. <laughs> very funny.
0: So, uh, all, all, most kind of City fans will be aware that Kevin McNaughton's been raffling off um, some of his kits um, from over the years for the NHS, and I think he's raised around £4,000 for the NHS so far, over a series of, I think it's about four or five raffles in the 9, year. 9000 and something as of earlier on. Oh, 9000 or something earlier on. I think I read yeah. an old, old tweet then, but fair play to him, you know, for, for, for sending some football shirts and, and earning that sort of money is a brilliant little thing he's done. Um, so, you know, all power to him in that sense, but he did... Uh, award one of the, the kits to obviously it's a raffle so he drew the names and um, I think it was the red shirt um, the uh, Vans direct shirt from the last season at Union Park um, drew the raffle um, and the winner was a Ben James um, so I, I, I wasn't looking at it until that point I had a few texts from people saying you've won the shirt looked at it and I was like oh text text you Tom saying I've won the shirt I think I think you text a few people saying you've won the shirt, to be honest, Ben. <laughs> text a few people saying I'd won the shirt, only to find out that it was another Ben James. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was uh, mightily uh, embarrassed. And so. I was oh, I was, <laughs> I was, I was telling everyone. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the first time that there's another Ben James who writes for um, Wales Online. And I think me and him have been confused a number of times previously, not the most uh, pertinent time when we were confused is when he was interviewing for the job and I got an email from them saying, when you come for your interview, this is what you need to do. And I was like, excuse me, am I interviewing for Wales online here? <laughs> um, but no, that, I mean, it's probably a data protection issue there, but um, don't tell on them. Yeah. Just don't put it in a podcast or anything. Then oh no, I'm mean, getting yeah, that bit out. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if that <laughs> bit makes the edit. Um, so obviously still locked down. Everything's still very much slowed down. What's your... What have you been doing over the last couple of weeks? Your best little trip outside?
1: Well, well I found some live sport. Found um, some live sport? Well, kind of. I'm using sport loosely, here. Um, but I've realised if I sit on my um, little balcony that I've got,
0: yeah. there's
1: um, one of those charity clothes bins opposite <laughs> that is awkwardly small. And it's so fun just doing commentary in my head to people not being able to put the clothes in and the bag being too big. And like people go out too quickly, they, they've realised there's a shoe hanging out, they have to take the bag back out, they can't close the lid. And it could go on for 10, 15 minutes if people are just... They won't just take it out, I know the bag will do it separate. They, they, they just they, shove it in. They, they just want to just ram it in, and it's brilliant viewing, just there with a the beer, headphones on, watching people absolutely mug themselves off trying to put clothes in a bin.
0: I'm, I'm curious by your, your commentating on them in my head admission, uh, what... I want to, I want to, can you, can you show us some of this commentary? Oh, no.
1: Well, it'd just be a little bit of, and here he is, stepping <laughs> up to the bin. He's going for it. He's going all, he's going all in. it, and you know, all he's jammed it. And he's jammed it. And then it just goes on from there, really. Do I don't I've got a career in commentary. As as do you, in. do
0: you in your head then refer to any summarizers who may be with you? Because I must admit that when I've done commentary in my head, there's always a summarizer would be. I, yeah, I'm
1: trying to get Sarah involved, um, <laughs> as a, like a co-commentator but yeah
0: i understandably
1: she's not the biggest fan of that idea no even no. in lockdown she's got better things to do
0: <laughs> yeah well that sounds uh, i mean it doesn't sound like live sport but it sounds like you're occupying your time somehow yeah sorry i shouldn't have said live sport to be honest
1: but it's the closest Maybe you should thing
0: stream
1: I it. i thought but i did try and video it um but it's a little bit too far away and i don't really want to be videoing people off my balcony to be honest
0: no, not I just for social media hits. A bit wrong and wrong in behaviour, shall we say. Yes, I'd say so. Uh, so you had your, your new Beer 52 this week. Um, you were slightly aggrieved to understand that a few people in another WhatsApp group got beers that you didn't get. Yeah, yeah, but I suppose I've got beers they haven't got. But Well, the ones
1: that you were showing me, I had as well. Well, I've got a couple left, but yeah, I did see it. It wasn't the greatest box in the world, to be honest. Do you not think? No, not really. It was a lot of very, very strong beer. Yeah,
0: that was that, well, the one you were drinking yesterday, was what, a 75 percent. <laughs> yeah, I didn't look.
1: I'm like, <laughs> ah, little stubby. Let's pick the little stubby. First beer of the day at like, as you do at 20 to 2 in the afternoon on a Saturday. Well, I suppose if I go to football, I would have. Um, You'd probably be quite ooh.
0: a hot, heart- we'd be half cut by then, wouldn't we? Yes, yeah,
1: probably. But um, open day, I was like, oh, this is a bit strong for watching Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, that's another thing I'm doing now I'm 31 years too late but I've started watching Seinfeld so how many episodes in are you? five so I've been pretty good with that I like I, I binge suddenly Until I Die both series in two days so I'm trying to steady, steady it a little bit with Seinfeld I mean
0: I think Settle Until I Die was a great little um, if we say itch scratcher for the non-football because yeah. I think um, you kind of get everything in, in an episode, don't you? You get the drama, you get actual football action, and you also get the madcap antics of uh what's his name, Stuart Donald? Is that the guy? Yeah, the Eastley.
1: Yeah, the bloke who takes over in the second series. Yeah, there, sorry, maybe. in the
0: second series. Uh, Charles Merheel M- or something? I can never remember. Oh, I don't his know. His name. He's a clown, whoever he is. <laughs> sorry. Well, he li- you won't listen to the podcast, it's fine. No, he's Still a big fan, a actually. He's a big fan. Yeah, uh, He's a big <laughs> fan. Uh, well, I've been getting into Pokemon on the Nintendo Switch so um that's oh okay at the moment. um yeah i'm i think i've just won my first gym badge which is obviously a big step in the pokemon uh, world um, which po- the- which pokemon edition is this then if it's on the uh, so, it's po- so on the switch it's pokemon sword and shield and i'm playing pokemon sword because it was the only one i could get quickly <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't a decision it was just that i got pokemon sword
1: we're losing um, listeners
0: here it's fine well, I mean, if they haven't already left by this point, then I don't know why. They're still <laughs> That's here. a
1: valid point. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what what I was saying about clothes bins was any better than Pokemon.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. At least at least Pokemon is a acceptable form of entertainment rather than watching people put stuff in a clothes bin. All right, mate. Okay, leave it out. Are you lonely? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going through it, mate. So I have a bit of um, an, uh, coming back to the beer chat. Um, obviously Pokemon aside, I think Pokemon's better better untalked about really. Um. I have an existential question about beer for you. Okay. Does beer taste better in the company of others? Um, I'd say so.
1: Um. I, I, don't, I don't really notice the taste of the beer if you've got company. Do you know what I mean? Like yesterday, I knew that was strong straight away because I was just sat on my own on a sofa watching TV. If I was in a pub bustling full of football fans, I'd taken a sip. I don't think I would have paid too much attention to it. So I'm not to,
0: so. what you're saying is that any beer on a, in a pub full of football fans is fine and good, even if oh, it's a carling. Yeah, you're not picky on a football, do you? You, no. you, you
1: do pick any beer, whatever they serve. You're, just, you're either marvelling at the price of it, if you've gone away somewhere where it's still one ninety a pint.
0: Or, two you're pounds happy,
1: yeah, or you're just happy it's been served to you in less than 20 minutes if you're in a Weatherspoons that you've all been crammed into.
0: That's the rocket in Fulham. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> oh, you know, that place was grim.
0: Yeah, I think it was. Was it the, 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 the before the Fulham game where we lost one 0 and Reece Healy made an, 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 an unimaginable cameo? Um, yeah, seventieth minute for Camarasa. Seventieth minute for Camarasa. I think that was when we realised that we were probably getting relegated. Um, I think the toilets were flooded within twenty minutes of arriving at the pub. That was a couple of inches deep water on the floor of the toilet. Oh, so was not obviously. water, mate. <laughs> well, I said water, but, uh, you know, bodily fluids in some description. But it's in a great
1: setting. It's on the River Thames, you think, lovely little spot.
0: And Well, it used um, to be, I think, I remember going to the Rocket maybe, it must have been five years ago, The or four years ago, the 2016 game, where I think we drew two all. Um, and it was half empty in the Rocket, and like, there was less people there. But it just, I think over the last couple of years, it's just become more and more popular with football fans to go to. I think people are shocked that there's a Weatherspoons on the river, to be honest. It looks like
1: it shouldn't be a Weatherspoons. It's no, almost it's, like the ilk of Cardiff Bay where you wouldn't think that was a Weatherspoons if you've just been to one, I don't know. In... Well, I suppose
0: the, the one in Cardiff Bay is very different to, say, the Great Western, isn't it? Yes, there we go. Because the, the Great Western is the first pub that any away fans come across, and so they kind of overtake it, and it gets very weird on a Saturday night in there. Oh, yes, that's very true. <laughs> Enjoyable, but weird. <laughs> I mean, at this stage, I would take a night out in the Great Western over anything. So oh, That's true. I pray for that. How much would you give? For, so, okay, so someone comes to you and says, Tom, you can you can sell your soul. You can give me a monetary amount for that one night out in the Great Western. It's a Saturday night. You can get there at seven o'clock and not have to leave till one in the morning. What are you, you giving for that?
1: And I'm not breaking any like lockdown rules. they're not going to be such no, no, a on it's, me afterwards. It's, it's like a free pass. I I think I'd give a few hundred pounds at the moment. That quid. doesn't sound a lot, does it? That's quite underwhelming. Sorry. Yeah, uh, you kind of ruined the question Yeah, It's <laughs> just like, yeah, 40 quid. Um, Let's say you were going up to the door. Yeah, I probably would sell my soul. Do you believe you have a soul? Um, No. Oh, that's a weird question. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I had nothing
1: but a one word answer for that. <laughs>
0: I don't know how we've gone from um, Weatherspoons to selling your soul, but then I suppose we're all going to sell our soul when we go back to Weatherspoons, aren't we? Oh, political. (laughs) Um, Political. Um, So I guess we're, I don't know how many weeks into lockdown. This is what, week seven? Seven, yeah. Week seven of lockdown. I think it's something like 50 days of lockdown in. um, And the the conversation is invariably turned back around to kind of resuming football. Um, I think the sun... Um, I you know, don't like to say their name, but they splashed yesterday with the story that I think they're looking at June the 12th for football to come back. Um, do you think that's going to happen? Do you think that's optimistic? Um,
1: I don't think it should happen, um, and I don't think it will happen. You don't think it will? No, I, th- I think people are forgetting that players are part of this as well, in terms of they won't really. want to risk their own health and their own family's health. Just for the sake, like it's all right not having fans behind, uh, like fans in the ground and paying behind closed doors, but they still need to get to the games themselves and be around each other. It's close contact. And we've just seen in Germany another three players for, I can't remember which club it was, it was it was a Cologne or someone like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been they they've got the virus now. So I think you can't rush this back. There's more important things. And I think people will understand if it's not, like June seems far too soon at the moment, where there's, was it 700 odd people still dying every day?
0: I mean, in theory, June is three and a half weeks away now because the start of May. It's, and I think what's it the EFL said they need they'll they will alone will need something like sixty six thousand tests. And when whichever figures you believe, the government can't reach a hundred thousand for key workers on a daily basis, or they can but they can't process them quickly enough. Then why would we prioritise footballers' needs over the the needs of the nation in that sense? Exactly, and they need to be tested more
1: than once if they kept doing this on a regular exactly. basis, unless there was. There was some suggestions of like, keeping players in some sort of not an island, but like in one place. Like they, they Fort <laughs> <I were, bought laughs> Boyard. Yeah, yeah. Jacques the door. But like they were on about it in AFL in Australia, saying they would get all the players to like live in one area away from their families
0: and stuff, and then <laughs> they could play. But well, I, I got told something along those lines, and again it's it's all hearsay at this stage, but it would all take place at St George's Park. So the players would all be in hotels from the middle of this month and they would all basically take place, all the games would take place behind closed doors at St George's Park for the Premier League. And there would yes. be two or three games a day.
1: I'd be a, I would be—I tell you what, it'd be a reality TV show I'd watch. Like just all the players in <laughs> one <of> place. <laughs> I don't think it's a, like, We're talking about Big Brother, but like... Yeah, 47 in that.
0: the players' hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd Could be think, Who do you think would be the most annoying, let's say Premier League, Premier League footballer to be stuck in a hotel with? Oh my God.
1: You, you, don't, you don't want a player who's bouncing off the walls, do you? No. So you, you don't want a Vardy. You, do you know what I mean? You don't want someone who's drinking, was it like Port and Red Bull or every day? Port and Red Bull and
0: snuffing, oh, I'm putting snooze up his, up his mouth.
1: Yeah, like, imagine what he's going to be like in lockdown. That was just normal. So would you,
0: would you go for someone like a James Milner,
1: a James Henderson? Oh, yes. A Jordan Henderson, sorry, not James. Yeah, you'd go Milner, wouldn't you? Definitely. And then who so,
0: so you wouldn't want Vardy, you would want someone like a Milner?
1: Yeah, and you don't want someone who's permanently doing TikToks or something like Lingard. He's just do <laughs> my absolute head in. Come on, Tom, come and dance for me. We're doing a TikTok. Yeah, you just you just want someone like Graham Lesseau back in the day reading the newspaper in the corner, didn't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, that would be a fair point. Sorry, actually.
1: I thought, why have gone that far back? I couldn't think of any current <laughs> football players. i go Graham Graeme Sorry, I'm only 27. Why have
0: I done that? <laughs> well, I mean, he's a cultural reference for the ages, really, Graham Lesseau. Yeah. I think he used to read the, the, the Guardian and he got a lot of sticks for having a, a, a newspaper under his arm. Which is mental, yeah. isn't it?
1: I'd be in that crew. like I, I'd be yeah, I'd more than happily just
0: being bullied for reading the newspaper, I think. I mean, that, that's, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so if, <laughs> if, if, if football doesn't resume, if we can't play games, and we've started seeing what's it? France have done uh, a kind of sporting merit thing where uh, Paris Saint-Germain have won the league because obviously they've won the league. Um, do you think we'll start to see those decisions being made here? And what do you consider as fair when it comes to kind of finalising the league outcomes now? Where do you start, isn't it? Like, cause why exactly. is that league more
1: important than another? Um, it, ultimately, it's going to be like come down to money, isn't it? But wasn't there talk of um, increasing the league to 23 in the Premier League by supporting so yeah. them promoted and nobody getting relegated?
0: Essentially, yeah. I think what will happen is, I think this is something I read over the last couple of days, is that. A team will come up from, I think Barrow might come up from the conference to replace Berry, because obviously they're, they no longer exist um, yeah. and they've been expelled from the league so that needs to be 24 teams but there'll be no relegations um, and then every, every league would have three promotions but there would be no relegations so the championship would go up to 27 teams, the Premier League would go up to 23 teams and they would just figure it out from there. I, I think um, that's the fairest thing I've heard to be honest. It is quite fair, but then how many games is that per season? That's going to take, in the Championship, that'll take it to over 50 games for a season if they have three You'd extra teams. You'd lose a cup tournament, wouldn't you? Is that I what gonna th- happen? There was, I can't remember if this was in the same proposition, but there was talk that the League Cup wouldn't happen next year.
1: I think a lot of people would be happy with that anyway. Not personally, but a lot of people don't see the point of that cup anyway. So I think, yeah, that would be the first to go, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, so I suppose that, you know, in theory, if a Championship team did well in the League Cup, the FA Cup, the League, they would end up playing... Potentially 80, uh, 70 games in a season. Yeah, with the playoffs as well. If they included in that, that's mental, isn't it? Yeah. But then, but then I suppose, obviously the the conference affects the the leagues below it, and there's already talk of steps three to six and legal action against expunging the league from the season. It's just, it's a mess, isn't it? There's no way this can't be a mess. Like, somebody's going to be extremely
1: unhappy at the end of this. Yeah. And it'd be quite funny if it was Liverpool or Leeds, but that's my personal opinion. But no, like, there's no way out of this where it's not going to be a complete shambles.
0: No, so if people lose out in whatever situation, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and like, like Cardiff are only a couple of places, a couple of points off the playoffs and things like that. But in the end of the day, I don't really mind if the season has ended now. Because there's, there's bigger
0: fish to fry, isn't there? There is bigger fish to fry, and that's what I'm having for my dinner. Um, that's a weird thing to say. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> it's really <laughs> getting to <laughs> you now. This lockdown, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is really getting to me. I think I, I this week was a really bad. Like you know, I think everyone's in the same boat. But I talked to a few people this week when it came to lockdown, and I think people's con- uh, Talk of it like a football fan. People's concentrations are starting to go. I think like we're <laughs> getting to the middle of the week, and I'm just kind of really yearning for the outside um i don't i I don't know if you're the same but i think i found last week quite hard uh, in terms of just being stuck inside and it kind of getting to me it's the lack of end in sight like yeah there's no like the end 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 end. of
1: the tunnel at the moment so like not that i want like a definitive date where this will end but there's no sort of process of knowing how we're going to come out of this and i heard it on another podcast where they were saying like if if you're on like trapped on an island but you knew the like like the lifeboat was coming it would pick you up, but if you're stuck on an island and you didn't know if anything was coming, then obviously you're not going to be a chipper about it, are you? And it's the same with this.
0: <laughs> oh well, no, yeah, sure. yeah
1: I, I'm going to die. No, but um, yeah, that's what it is. Though you you don't see yeah. when this lifeboat has come coming, so yeah, it's getting. To, you can tell it's getting to people now on a, like yeah. friends and work colleagues and stuff. But luckily, we've got light chat like this.
0: So I've got no easy way to segue into the next bit because it was kind of recorded over two weeks but this second bit is a kind of longer discussion around everything that sam herman proposed when he first came to the club in the year 2000 in his follow the dream manifesto um it's part of a wider discussion about cardiff city and the rebrand which will continue into a second podcast next week so i hope you enjoy it when sam herman first came to cardiff city he released a manifesto of sorts a guide to his takeover how it would go and what the club was going to look like when he was finished. Hindsight is, of course, 2020, but it provides an almost prophetic look at what was to happen several years later under Vincent Tan. The manifesto re-emerged recently and it got me to thinking. For many fans, Sam Herman was known for spending big, goading Leeds fans and then leaving the club in the lurch. But this planned rebrand is often missed out in the discourse. A brief Google search of news around that time throws up some headlines and the BBC ran with a Herman exclusive, I will die for Cardiff Celts. And excerpts from the story include quotes such as, I feel so strongly, I am completely, I am in all my heart, and I promise you I will die trying to go under this red dragon, this Celtic thing. And the the news story also touched on the kind of backlash that it received, and the, the, the quote from that was, the proposed changes has caused some concern in some quarters, but Herman sought to allay fears by saying, Cardiff will always play in Cardiff, but if you dream to compete with the big clubs, we need the whole country behind us. This interview to the BBC took place when Sam was in New York, which shows his commitment to the club at the time. But the proposed changes took place in a different era for football fans. Social media just wasn't a thing. The message boards may have, been there in their in, may have been in their infancy. as It always seems like the Kyle City Mad message board and website has always been there. But the outrage at the time would not have been in the same kind of vociferous nature as the same channels weren't there for it to kind of grow. Some fans, like Tom Phillips here, didn't even know this manifesto existed. So we thought we would take a bit of a look back at the document, what Sam was proposing, and whether it laid the groundwork for 2012. So Tom, the Follow the Dream Manifesto, we, we'll start at the beginning. You're a bit younger than I was, am, is still, um, and I wasn't really fully okay with the details of the manifesto, of what Sam Haman was proposing, and you, by your own admission, were even less so. So if we take it back to that time, you were a young Cardiff City fan. What were your impressions of, say, Sam Haman at that time, who was you know, as someone who was just getting involved in Cardiff City as a, as a fan?
1: like you said I'm a bit younger than you so I think I didn't really know much about him at all until that Leeds game I fall under that kind of group that, that that's the first time I saw him, him go in Leeds fans mm-hmm. my first first ever exposure to him so all this like rebrand stuff has completely gone under my radar I just completely just didn't know anything about it so like, mm-hmm. to me even until we spoke about it like briefly a couple of weeks ago I I I only know him for walking around the pitch. I only know him mm-hmm. for being held aloft by Cardiff City fans, and like just hearing things on other podcasts about his time at Wimbledon and things like that. I knew nothing about how he got involved with this club whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I mean, him getting involved with the club—it kind of just seemed to come out of nowhere. But I think again, you know, it kind of the proposed rebrand, how Sam got involved in in everything. It's kind of like a not an untold story, but the the information isn't so easily out there. Is that do you think testament to the stature of Cardiff City at the time or was it just a different era of media I think we live in a world now where everything is kind of public information right and that wasn't the same 20 years ago
1: Yeah it's definitely a combination of both there. because you re- I was reading through like some of the like almost like match reports and stuff of the league mm-hmm. afterwards and we've been described as like one of those smaller clubs and how people didn't really ch- I think especially as Cardiff fans ourselves, we see ourselves as a much bigger club than other, other clubs see us so other, other fan groups but like obviously we're a bigger club now, we've been in the Premier League and stuff. But back then we we were small as I don't know, clubs like such as Plymouth and stuff like that. I don't know why i plucked them, sorry. But you know,
0: I, no, I no, think... but like that that period for me was always punctuated with these kind of the big playoff games were against teams like Northampton. We were fighting for promotion and we we would go up with a draw against Scunthorpe. Those are the kind of teams we were up against.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like it's a combination of that. Like being a small club, but like you said, the the social media for like now, even if a small club had some sort of potential rebrand coming through, even if they're in the fifth or sixth tier, it just gets blown completely mm-hmm. like um out of proportion because of I don't know, football periods all over Twitter will see like some random northern club is being changed colour, then everyone will get what? behind us and say, that's not football, it's not football. But back then there wasn't really the outlet to do that. It's just you'd see mm-hmm. newspaper reports and that's about it.
0: Well, I mean, Salford is a a prime example, right? Everybody knows the story with Salford about how they've been taken over by a businessman, like the the former class of 92, and there's a lot of outrage, or there was a lot of outrage around that because they essentially bought themselves into the league. If, say, the businessman had proposed that they completely changed their whole identity, they probably would have been even more outraged. But that's just Salford, you know? And that's everywhere at the moment, or it was everywhere in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you you get a clash of fans then. Because with the Salford example, you've got some, some fans who are Think is great because it's giving a local club a bit of investment. It's good for mm-hmm. like the youth teams and stuff around there. It gives you know fans in an area where you've got the likes of Man United, and Man City, a viable sporting option to go and watch. But then there's others who are like, no, they're buying leagues. What about the other clubs around them and stuff? And that that wasn't there like 20 years ago. So when it happened with Cardiff, you you haven't got the Twitter and stuff. You haven't got and getting involved in arguments
0: with random mm-hmm. fans and yeah, things like that so like,
1: it's, just, it's bonkers now you see the likes of was it Andy Holt or whatever like Accrington
0: who Accrington gets involved. he's very, very vocal yeah
1: yeah exactly so he's getting dialogues with people who probably have never seen an Accrington game in their life but are getting yeah. in an argument with them. so yeah it's a completely different time and like we're, we were a completely different club back then to where we are now
0: yeah that's true um, do you think I think maybe this is jumping ahead but if this if you know if you, were a more, if you were the same fan you are now as you were then, at this time, what would your reaction would have been to this document? How would you have felt about it?
1: I don't know, really, because it's hard to kind of take myself out of what we've gone through course, in the last like, 10 years. But I'd like to think. I, I oppose it. But then, I don't know, you see the success he had with the likes of Wimbledon and they flew mm-hmm. up from out of the Football League to winning the FA Cup. And... It, there'd be a lot of fans who would love to see their local club do that and you've got, a, you've got a split in fans as well. There's some people who just want to go and watch good quality football and then there's the yeah. other fans where they're tribal about it where, you know, everything's about the identity and stuff around it and you saw it then when our eventual rebrand when there's a lot of fans who are more than happy to take the rebrand to go and watch good quality football in Premier League where there's others yeah. who'd rather us be in blue at all costs and be down in the conference. Yeah. So I think I'd I'd be in that conference lot. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, because I, I, I'm not. I don't watch Cardiff for good football. That's not what it's about. Do you know what I mean?
0: It, I mean, have we ever had good football at Cardiff?
1: I, don't, I like Dave Jones. Of, yeah, that era, and that was when I was getting into football. So I suppose, yeah, I've a been bit, a bit hypocritical, but like, yeah,
0: something <laughs> great over the last. Well. Since Dave Jones, really, it hasn't been the most exciting of football, has it? It's been it's been effective at times, but not been the most exciting.
1: But you take a wee bit of pride in that, do you know what I mean? You're known as the one playing good football, but you're you're,
0: you're, you're getting pissing, results.
1: You're pissing fans off, like you're playing rubbish football and winning games, and it doesn't half irk the fans. Well, I
0: mean, the, the promotion season under Warnock was a prime example of that, right? Fulham, Fulham had become a rival because they thought that they were playing this puritanical football, and we went up above them. And like they were so bitter about the whole thing, but it's still kind of hanging over us now. There's yeah, still I, that animosity.
1: Yeah, definitely. And even under Malky, it's not like we had a twenty-goal season striker there. No, I think had Helgeson, was our Yeah,
0: penny Miller. They were both 10-15, right?
1: I think it was like ten goals. And then like Hudson on six. Yeah. And, and and we got promoted like comfortably. So yeah. So like yeah, I, I, we've gone on a bit of a tangent here, but yeah, you know what I mean. It's not about the good football and stuff. So some people, some people would be happy with a rebrand and see like investment into the club and others will just want to be blue kind of city at all costs.
0: You're right. We have gone on tangent. So let's get back to the the Follow the Dream and Overview 2000 as it's entitled by Sam Haman. Um, so, you know, bearing in mind this is 20 years ago in the infancy of kind of graphic design. Let's talk about the, the document itself. Um, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I think the opening is a bit of clip art, you know, a couple of nice fonts, Overview 2000. It's very prominent that it was by Sam Herman. I wonder if he had any help writing it. Um, And then the second page is this bizarre silhouette of Sam himself with his um, bushy eyebrows kind of, you know, taking prominence. Um, Does this kind of speak to how egotistical Sam was? You know, it was always about him, wasn't
1: it? Oh, 100%. Like, that second page was just a giant silhouette of his face. It's something else. And the fact they've kept in the detail about the the eyebrows. eyebrows. It's unmistakably him, isn't it? That's the thing. So, uh, uh, yes. First page, like, by Sam Hammam as if it's some sort of like 150 page like novel thing that's going to come out. And it's just it's all about him, really. Yeah. Like, and as you go through it, it becomes even more about him.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, when you, when you get through the document, there are kind of I, I've broken it down into a couple of key parts. You've got his intro, which is this follow the dream thing, his business plan, which we'll, we'll, we'll go through it kind of in order. Then there's a bit about how bad we are at football and how terrible things are at the club. And then there's this kind of bit about the rebrand, which of course we'll get to at the end as well. And I think there's this intro is obviously the the most natural place to start, as it's the intro. And I think that yeah, you've mentioned it, you know, off-air and stuff about that opening paragraph, which is utterly bizarre.
1: Yeah, like because I hadn't seen this document, like I said before. And to start it with, but I I, am in a trance, dazed, swept off my feet, gobsmacked, or perhaps hypnotized. It's like, come on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing division a division three football club. club. Yeah, we're not. I'm not sure how many people fell for that or not. Like, I don't. I don't want to be patronising anything and say that people were gullible or anything because I wasn't around at the time. But I like to feel that like that wouldn't have enticed me in straight away. Like that this bloke mm-hmm. is going to be our saviour.
0: No, and he because he kind of talks about being in love with the club and like and, you know going through all those different ways of feeling about the club, gobsmacked, hypnotised. Then he comes. The second paragraph is having recently come out of a twenty two, year love affair with another club, which will always be my baby. He's already immediately kind of going, well, you know, you're your second place already. Um, you're not, you're not my first choice, but um, here we go again.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he'd fallen out then hadn't he with it, like the the new owner stuff at Wimbledon. He'd, He'd been like kind of forced out of there, so it feels like we're just kind of ah, you know, I'll have another little project. So then, the, the fact that he started off with like this trans days thing and saying like the love affair with another club, it just feels so forced into trying to win us over.
0: It's very forced, and I think this 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 opening page is this follow the dream. It kind of veers between trying to big up the Cardiff fans and big up. Cardiff City is a football club, and then being quite patronising about Cardiff City. He says, the surprising thing in all this is that I have yet to meet a fan, young or old, wise or wild, who does not think that Cardiff City is bigger than Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, and even Barcelona. And it's kind of, I don't really know what he's trying to say here.
1: I never do. It's kind of like he's trying to big us up. Like, oh, yeah, we're a big club, but you're all a bit mental. Like, you're nowhere yeah. near as big as you think you are. You you need me. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. need me. You, you, you're... you're you're in fantasy land, but I'll try and get you some of the way to how big you think you are. But don't think I'm going to get you all
0: that way. And It's no.
1: it's, it's uh yeah, it's just so interesting. Like because I knew nothing about all this, so reading through it, it's baffling.
0: It's. I think. I think it, you're right. Really, it's, it's, it's quite a baffling document in the sense that there's 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 a few there's a few kind of moments where he's trying to big Cardiff City up as a football club and talk about how brilliant Cardiff City are as a football club and then he immediately chops us down with a a kind of backhanded compliment and I think what you know moving through this introduction there's a bit about kind of um, the response I've received from you guys and girls has been overwhelming I'm very flattered but I also believe that flattery is great as long as you do not inhale and I think I don't again this is another baffling phrase like what's he trying to say there kind of I understand you're flattering me and you want Need to be brilliant, but should you not sniff the shit that I'm going back to give you?
1: Yeah, it's a bit bizarre saying, like, oh, you know, the flattery's great, but as long as you don't inhale. Well, he's clearly been inhaling if
0: he's been in a trance he's inhaled and he's his own off his feet. Exactly. Yeah. What's, he, what's, he, what's he taking a sniff off that, you know, we haven't?
1: Yeah, it's just, it's just, he's clearly trying to build us up, but then, like, bring us immediately back down. So we're, like, we're kind of like, we're going to fall in love with him because he's so complimentary about us, but then we're desperate for someone like him to come in. Yeah. And it's just like, I suppose it's probably what people wanted to hear back then because we were we were struggling on the field, yeah, and we were in, we were in dire need of some investment if you wanted to go back up the league. So,
0: yeah, I mean, that's I...
1: very calculated. Like to me, it comes across like the just like a madman just speaking. But then he, he knows what he's doing. He's been through this before with another club, so there's definitely some like calculation behind this.
0: When you when you think of Sam Herman and, and his work at Wimbledon, you, you kind of automatically think it was a success, right? because he took them up the league, he created, made them almost like a household name within English, British football, whichever way you want to look at it, won them the FA Cup and all that kind of stuff. So do you think there's an element of him coming in and everyone being a bit like, why is this big man who's been a brilliant football owner for however many years, 22 years, coming to take over our club?
1: Yeah, probably. I think, I think you probably saw kind of kind of parallels between the clubs as well, didn't yeah. you know, it's, it's... I, I don't know if the people would have thought of him as some like a big name and, oh, why is he coming to us? I think people probably just saw us as a kind of like just a similar project, to be honest. And like, he could start afresh, build what he wanted to do and raise us. Because I think the one thing with Wimbledon, he, no matter how successful they got, they still weren't bringing in massive, massive crowds. But like with Cardiff, you had the potential to kind of, I think, like he goes on about, trying to bring in the whole of Wales. So, If you could inspire a whole country, you can have what you had with Wimbledon, but get more and more people through the gates. Yeah. But I think that it's it's almost like, a, he, maybe he saw us as like a 2.0, like just like an, an upgrade from it, where you could really like do it again, but with just get even more traction.
0: Yeah, I suppose we, because I, I, when did he, he took over Wimbledon when they were in something like the Southern League, I think, which was obviously in the old league system. So I don't really know what the equivalent is off the top of my head. And I think, his his work there probably was a bit longer than what he was anticipating it would take at Cardiff. And maybe that's where he sees it as more of like a springboard that we were in the Football League in that third division and we were a capital city club.
1: Yeah, it's quite funny. Like I was reading a bit about it because like I don't know much about it. So I read a bit into it. He said he moved to Wimbledon because he liked tennis. He had no, <laughs> so he had no um, kind of No interest of it, in football. Yeah, yeah, whatsoever. He, but then within two years he put like £40,000 into the club and it kind of built from there. So Yeah, so I,
0: I think, uh, the, the money aspect is interesting. I think we'll get to that in, in the next couple of pages because he actually details how much he's going to put into a club with his, his even more mental plans to go alongside that. But I think when you, when you look at the dream itself, he kind of outlines that Cardiff City has no business to be playing in third league of football. Um, if what the fans tell me is true, then we should be in the football league. The dream is to be challenging the top ridge of the Premier League and beyond to be elite. But he talks about he immediately then says, in my considered opinion, that we have a one in 10,000 chances of achieving this possible dream, impossible dream. And even then, it would require about 20 years or more to achieve it. It's kind of, I, I don't really know what, what he's trying to do here.
1: But there's a chance, Ben. That's what he's saying. There's a chance. Is, is
0: is that what he's trying to kind of impose on the fans? That if you buy into him, you'll have way more of a chance than you ever would anywhere, anywhere else. That's purely yeah. what you're trying to do, right?
1: I think that's what he's doing. He's like, yeah, if I come in, there is a small chance. There's a better chance, but don't get carried away. Because I'm not saying that in 20 years' time, we'll be knocking Barcelona out of the Champions League. Do you know what I mean? I think, even though he's mentioned Barcelona earlier on. But, like, no, I think it is just kind of prodding at that kind of hope within a football fan. But then, at the same time, he's got... He's never said that we're going to get that. So, he's... Yeah, he's
0: not so it's, it's, it's a good fail say for him right isn't it because he yeah, goes "That's a, That's a word, look yeah. you, you need me to come on board to have even a chance of doing this but even if i do come on board there's a very little chance that this is going to happen yeah exactly and, and i mean I, ro- I guess ironically we you know in it took way if you took over in the year 2000 we we're in the premier league in 2013 um, and yeah. we've been there twice now so he's he's wrong yeah, <laughs> we tell yeah. Him he's wrong
1: yeah exactly <laughs> But and to be fair, like his takeover, we wouldn't have. We probably wouldn't have got there without
0: his investment. No, I but, think he, he as, as much as what you can say about San Herman, he's he was a he was a catalyst, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, definitely. And like, obviously, I, the bit I do know a bit more about then is when he was in the in the headlines for obviously like nearly ruining us. Yeah, and I think that's what sticks in my mind more than this initial bit. So I think my opinion think- on him is probably lower than a lot of people who are older than me.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that then, obviously, like I say, it's cloudy, do you think he's more remembered for the... Now, specifically looking back, he's more remembered for the bad times than he is the good times? Because we were on our knees by the time he left, really. We were very close to administration, but without him, would we even have been in the championship and everything else that comes with that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, because like, I think in my circles, I, I think of him as a bad guy, really. Yeah. But then, I don't know whether... I, I don't know if you can forgive him for what he did later on, just because of what he did earlier, like before it. it it's a tough one, really. Like you, looking at it from like a re- revisionist angle, it's, it's still tough to see if he was kind of like and like a, a bad guy or a good guy in all this. Because where yeah. would we be without him?
0: The, I mean, yeah, I suppose that's the it's a parallel universe question, isn't it? Where you know, if if he hadn't come in now in the year two thousand, whenever he came in and put the money in what would have happened to the club. If the club's losing like this, This the present um, section of this touches on what, what the club was going through at the time. We had debts of over one and a half million, which, you know, doesn't seem that much compared to with what it got to further down the line, the kind of 30 million number that you hear bandied around quite a lot. It was losing around half a million to a million pounds per year. We we had no training ground. We didn't even have a, a stadium that I think was fully open at that point when he came in. I think it took a couple of years to reopen a few sections of the stadium. So even our attendance couldn't have got to the levels that, the ground could hold in theory. Um, we had, you know, no youth players coming through. We, the, even the players we did have, I think, who who were our star players then, people like Andy Legg, Willie Boland, um, they were probably the best of our players. Who were obviously very good players who stuck with us all the way through to the championship. But they weren't you know, your Robert Earnshaw's. What well, Robert Earnshaw was there at that time, wasn't he? Um, but they weren't at that level, if that makes sense. Um, so he kind of, he talked about it in quite a realistic point of view and this is when he starts bringing in that kind of Welsh army idea, right? Like you see it in this paragraph where he's talking about the only fans that seem to compare to the Cardiff fans are those of Newcastle. They're the Toon two-man, army, I dream of a Welsh army. Um, what was your kind of, when we when we look think of Welsh football um, back then, it wasn't in a good state, was it? No, and you look at like were, none of the clubs
1: were like you hadn't had the premier league years we have had with swansea and cardiff back then. Um, mm-hmm. we have we haven't had the like tournament success we've had with wales. so like welsh football across the board is probably living in the shadow. it wasn't even that successful a time for rugby i don't think. but, but we the, 99 would have
0: been the scott gibbs year right at wembley. so yeah, that so been, just, and that was like a that was like the first taste of some success was, that was to come wasn't it?
1: yeah because that was the first time they'd been in england since like 93 or something like that as well. so i think yeah. welsh sport in general was probably on a bit of a low point. Again, massively speculating, because I was above four.
0: But, <laughs> no, but I mean, it was, it was it was post-Gould years, wasn't it? Um, and yeah. Bobby Gould had been uh, an abject failure for Wales. Yeah. Um, I think, like I say, Swansea, I think, had top with us to go into the second division. We were in the third division. I I assume Wrexham were in the third division, second division at that point. Because um, I think they were still a league club at that point. Um, yeah, so
1: when, when, when her mum took over, I think Wrexham had finished 11th we'd been mm. relegated from the same division as Wrexham and Swansea had leapfrogged us so we were in the worst situation out of the Welsh club out of those three Welsh clubs there and obviously no, no success for in the international football team as well so I think there was room for this narrative about Welsh army and how we could become it because there, there wasn't success anyway so yeah. why, why, why not us do you know what I mean so I think it'd be very different now because the success that the national team have there's no need for a Welsh army people are kind of I was going to say mobilising to stick with their like army bit but like <laughs> they're, they're all mobilising beyond the national team now but there there was room for this there was room for maybe taking over and winning
0: over a few hearts Yeah and I think the, the kind of club there was always growing up as a Cardiff fan there always seemed to be for a, a, a little bit amount of time a, a kind of club versus country kind of route like you if you were a, a Cardiff fan you might not necessarily been a, a, Wel- you know, a Wales football fan if, and vice versa basically and I think that's kind of gone away now, hasn't it? Whatever you know, it was it might have been on a very small scale, but I was always vaguely aware that there was some element of that. But that you know, the, the Wel the Welsh national team is supported by everyone from every club, and there seems to be that unity there that hadn't been there before.
1: Yeah, you still get a little bit of like kind of murmurings about the club rivalry on away games now, but like nowhere near like, like it used to be, like that, that seems so alien to me. I don't understand why people would clash, um, no. on Wales games because you, you're supporting the same team, but then. I, again I wasn't there I wasn't around at that time so yeah I, I, you can see why Haman was trying to kind of instil this and I think he's hell bent on getting that army rhetoric in there because I think he, he loves the idea of violence and stuff his reputation at Wimbledon with like the crazy yeah. gang and stuff like that I think he likes the idea of a fight and he's looking for it wherever he goes to be
0: honest Well, and he wanted to bring in Bobby Gould who was famous for his naked wrestling Yeah, um, <laughs> was it naked wrestling? I no know, I, I think, think, think you. I think that's a weird fantasy you have <laughs> <laughs> but no like
1: oh but you were oh saying about you were saying about the failure of the Welsh team and like but then he, he's trying to bring in he brings in Bobby Gould so
0: yeah and I, I mean we'll, we'll get to the maybe we'll get to the Bobby Gould stuff a bit later but I've never really Bobby Gould as a manager again it was probably uh, because of the time and me not being very aware of it but I don't really know how good he was as a manager Anywhere, uh, I just know him for Wales in Cardiff City, where he was very bad at Wales. And at Cardiff City, he was there for maybe a couple of months before he got moved aside.
1: Well, he got moved up into like a director of football role, didn't he? I think, yeah, he But like in this document, though, they're going about how he's almost like the future. And I, I trust, I would I not trust anyone in life as much as I do, like Bobby Gould. Yeah, and that um, lasted yeah. a month. So great, later, it's a great right? staff of Hamam after the Hamamifesto, really, isn't it?
0: a manifesto, very good um, and, then, and then we get to the, we, get, we get to the figure about money so he's, he's gone from talking about the Welsh army and he's talking about how he's going to inject a very precise sum of money into the football club um, <laughs> like why do you think this figure is so precise Tom? I
1: think it's a way of trying to convince people he's, he's really really looked at the books of this club and this is the exact amount like was it £3, three million £139,558.64 one, yeah. that's a at number for pretty pence. Br- that pretty Patel would struggle with that one, like yeah, she would, yeah, bonkers. Like he, he's just got. I tell you what, yeah, definitely more credible if I go to the Pants here. And it, I might perhaps it was, but I'm a little bit cynical. I think he's he's trying to pull a fast one, isn't he?
0: I think so, and I think he he kind of he talks about it as this. Uh, this is all I intend to put into the football club now and in the future. And it's kind of like he's going to give us this kind of three and a three and a bit million quid uh, at sixty four pence, and he's just going to go you're going to run the club now. And I think this is where this document starts to lose its mind a little bit. And I think it's this, I mean, it can only be described as, you you talk about, I think you talk about fan undertaking of fans being involved in football club. He wants to sign over the club to five football fans, essentially, doesn't he?
1: Oh, that, that this bit is absolutely insane. Well, it, what you saying is, it? you get a, like a half-time draw of the Blackpool game to, to yeah, the, like like a fans board of directors. Well, it's a, it's,
0: the it's power, power of attorney, so isn't it? Power of eternity to a group of football fans. Power of attorney, Power of eternity to a group of football fans. And he says we have discussed several ways of choosing who will sign, including selecting well-known individuals or asking people to apply and then draw out of a hat or drawing names from all the season ticket holders. It was decided that the easiest way to draw the names from those who are present season ticket holders this will be done at the blackpool game one this is really badly written because that was quite a hard thing to read and two he wants to literally go on the pitch at half time and draw out five season ticket holders and i guess at that stage if we were having crowds of less than seven thousand people season ticket holders would probably say 50 to 60 percent of that you have quite a good chance of being appointed as the attorney of a football club, as being this, the person in charge of running this football club.
1: It's mad. I know a lot, We know a lot of Cardiff fans who we definitely wouldn't want in that situation as well, isn't it? Like, there's some you would.
0: Don't me is that, is that, is, I was going to ask the question. Would you trust any fans, out of those you know, those you see on Twitter, anyone really, with running this football club?
1: No, not really. I don't know, mind. Do you, there's some, yeah, because they've been there. They know what the club's about. You trust yeah. them with... Maybe kind of pulling Sam, uh, Sam back in a little bit with some of his mad ideas, but then you but it's pot luck. It's not like you're selecting them. There are some fans of like that, but there's some you, w- you wouldn't trust in carrying your pint back from half-time, Never mind running the football club.
0: Would you trust me with running the football club? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think Quite we've got some interesting
1: kit designs. Um, word, if yeah, you
0: yeah, no, I probably
1: would to be honest, as long as the other four could reign you back in as well. I wouldn't trust myself yeah. and I wouldn't You wouldn't want trust to, yourself. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't want the responsibility. Because you see with clubs like this, especially when it's taken over by like a fan for a pound and stuff like that, the, yeah. the, the amount of times it actually ends well. Like you've you've seen it like fans take over clubs and in, in the end, people always look at the chairman and people who are pulling strings and in power and they get blamed by a section of the fans. And I'm not sure I've got the personality to deal with that.
0: But no, I suppose you put your... I, I think that's, that, that's the, the the craziest thing about this idea, right? Is that a football fan could, in theory, just be thrust into this um, painful world of running a football club and into the limelight of press, everything else. I mean, it's it's completely clean off, isn't it?
1: Is there, is there an age limit on this as well? Is there any season to So,
0: like, Aaron, age seven
1: from the family stand. Can he, can he, lo- is I've, he
0: involved? I've looked for terms and conditions and I can't see any. Um but one would assume you have to be of a certain age if you're having power of attorney. So
1: um I'm not assuming anything with this though.
0: So. No, I'm not assuming anything with this either. I don't think San Hamandas either. Um he talks about like the money and kind of um putting in three million, one and a half million to go towards creditors and loans. Remaining one and a half million will have some money for players, some money for uh, anticipating trading losses over the next two seasons. So that three million quid is already gone. And that's all he's putting into the club. It's it, it doesn't make any sense, does it? No. And I know no, it really I, doesn't. I know we're, we're pulling apart this and pulling things out. A lot of the document doesn't make sense. But these bits in particular, are the ones that kind of scream out to me that it's just a bit of nonsense.
1: I think, like, I don't think he was expecting too much scrutiny from some of the fans. I think he was hoping he'd see, like, oh, investing money into it. Quite a hefty sum of money for the time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to invest it into players and stuff like that. And getting the fans involved. And there we go. And I, I don't think he was expecting a 20 years after there'd be two... Two idiots wanna, on, a wanna, wanna <laughs> on a podcast. One to football hipsters discussing they've on a podcast because they're bored during a lockdown. So, no,
0: I, I mean, he didn't anticipate COVID-19 at all, did he? And I think that was probably his biggest fault. I think so. Um, I think I th- there's this section in particular starts showing that I don't think he wrote this document himself because... He talks about kind of bringing the gates in, he kind of shifts the focus onto the fans to kind of sustain the football club in the future, we need more than 7,000 people. But then he says, he's got this one paragraph in particular, where he says, so you see what I mean, it's up to you guys to do it. We expect Bobby Gould and the footballing staff to make the right decisions, and we expect Sam and the board to set the right policies. But make no mistake, you are providing the fuel, no petrol and the car won't budge. He started talking about himself in the third person. And I think I wonder if that's the ghostwriter coming through and, and they've not really proofread this pop properly.
1: I just like the idea that it was completely written by him, to be honest. I, Sam, I, it's I, like I, New
0: York apartment bashing yeah. it out on an old typewriter.
1: Yeah, because I can imagine he sees himself as quite the writer. I'm the, quite the design. I love the idea of him like drawing this up and designing it himself as well. So I'm just Get gonna, the gonna the ignore the fact himself. you think there's a ghostwriter. I think this is all Sam. So I you disagree. think this is all Sam? I think it's a. I think a lot of it is. Just to, like I'm not being funny, fair to ghostwriter. Would you have like all capital letters and bold for like some of these sentences that he's done? And just...
0: Um, maybe he just had a stylistic saying things. He just wanted to do the formatting.
1: Maybe, but I we'll have to put an appeal out there. If anyone was involved in the writing of this document, please come forward. I would.
0: I would love to find out more about this document. I think I know of some people that we could ask um, who would have been involved in the club who were named in this document at a certain points. But um, I wonder if we can get any more kind of... I think it's, it's quite a hard thing to Google, right? Because you type in Cardiff City rebrand Sam Herman and it, it just throws up a lot of stuff around the Vincent Tan rebrand because he was still somehow involved in that.
1: Yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to get down the library and go through all the newspaper articles and stuff like that. And When
0: lockdown's over.
1: When lockdown's over, obviously, yeah. Responsible. So...
0: We, we we kind of we go through the background and then we get to the kind of main thrust of this of this of this manifesto and that's the rebrand itself. It's 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 a tough one to know where to begin with this because there's a lot of kind of conflicting ideas and a lot of ideas. But the main idea that he has is around Cardiff City and Wales being obviously being interlinked, but even more interlinked when it comes to Cardiff City. That for Cardiff to be a success, the whole of Wales needs to get behind the club and that's not just South Wales or the South Wales Valleys—that's all the way up to Gwynedd, Anglesey. Um, I'm guessing Brecon are involved because you know you have to go through Brecon to get to the, the north of Wales. And what do you think of that? On a, on a, on a most basic level, when you hear them saying Cardiff and Wales—the the whole of Wales should be getting behind Cardiff—what's what, what, your instinctive reaction?
1: It's just—it's just not—it's just not, not going to work. Like if I was in Anglesey, I've got no affiliation to Cardiff whatsoever. Like, there's so many clubs that are closer to you than Cardiff, <laughs> and successful clubs as well. And I'm not being funny. It's not like the transport links between Anglesey and Cardiff are fantastic either. It's not no. going to to a game. So I don't no. know what he's trying to do here. And to, like I said earlier on, Wrexham and Swansea were arguably slightly more successful than us at this point as well. Yeah. So kind of completely patronise it. Like, they're a little club. They don't really count. Come behind the big Capital City team. I, I, I get what he's trying to do. But I like the rivalry with other Welsh clubs. Why would you want to get every single Welsh fan behind your
0: club team? I wouldn't want that. No. Personally. And I think I think there has been in you know, um instances in the past where I know when Wrexham were were struggling financially and they came and played in the LDV van Stroking card. A lot of Cardiff fans went to that game to to show support for them because they were in trouble and it was kind of buying tickets and going to the game to support another Welsh football club. But to put, to to assume that a bunch of Welsh people would throw away their their allegiances and just go right, I'm a Cardiff fan now is, is 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 quite demented.
1: Yeah. And it's like especially where we were in the league. Like possibly if we were like higher up the league, you might attract a few fans across, especially in those kind of like divides like when it's like Neath or Talbot or something in between Cardiff yeah. and Swansea. You've got a few fans up for grabs if you've had a bit of success, you'll start to see more jerseys of one and the other club. If someone's yeah. risen up the divisions, but we haven't risen up the divisions. All he said about it is, yeah, exactly. I'm invested in three million pounds. That's not enough for, you know, Dave from no. Leith, who's gone to a few Swansea games. Go, and ah, no, I'm going in now. I mean, this bloke, uh, this mad bloke, has said that you know we should support Cardiff. So I'm behind it because I'm not Welsh unless I support Cardiff. It's just a no. And bad. I think
0: I think you're right in what you say that, that you know I I know about Cardiff or. Former Cardiff City fans, Cardiff City fans from the north of Wales, from the west of Wales, you're from West Wales yourself. Yeah. So that makes sense. But it's, this, it's, it's the under, uh, understanding that people will just throw away their allegiances is the thing that I can't get my head around. And then he, he, he kind of, there's a paragraph in this section where he talks about I want someone to explain to me why it is that if you are Welsh, then you have to accept to see third or fourth rate football. Am I to understand that if you are Welsh, you are some kind of second-class citizen in football. So if Welsh people want to see top-quality football, they have to cross the border. If their own men are top-quality footballers, they have to do the same. They have to do... That doesn't make sense. No more, no, enough is enough. And I think... And and I think I wrote this note... This is a note. Like, there are some sensible ideas in this, right? That, you know, this is basically saying, why do we want... And I think I understand what you're saying. I... Why do Welsh fo- football fans support someone like Manchester United, Arsenal, whoever? Really, you know, why are they glory supporters basically, and why should should they be kind of turned away from supporting Cardiff City? And I think that kind of there are some sensible threads that come through this, but it's just finding those sensible threads amongst the rest of the madness, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I know he's trying to stir up almost like uh, the second class citizen thing. He's trying to pull it like the class divide and stuff, and yeah. the fact that Welsh people get less than English people out of this and stuff like that. But he's gone about it in a really, really twisted way. Yeah. But I don't think we've ever sat there and gone, oh, you know, we deserve better than this fourth-rate football and it's because I'm Welsh that I'm not getting it and stuff like that. But I don't know. I think he means well, doesn't he? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that your takeaway from this? Sam Haman means well, but it's just lost in a lot of bluster.
1: Yes, Definitely.
0: And I think, I think, I think there is an element, really, because I think as a, as Cardiff fans, we would probably recognise that bitterness, really, that there are, you know, like when when Wales, when Wales when Cardiff played Liverpool at the end of last season, there were a lot of South Wales Liverpool fans at the game, there a lot of South Wales Liverpool fans who, you know, uh, put Liverpool amongst uh, ahead of everything else, even though they're from like, say, Measteg, or they're from um, um I don't know why I picked those two valleys. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just they were in my head, and I think I think that that's something that a lot of Cardiff City fans would recognise, right? That we we've lost a lot of fans to the bigger clubs.
1: And you kind of get it. Like it, it's more in a in a way, especially if you don't live immediately around the ground. It is more accessible to see the big teams. You grow up with them, it's, especially these days. But it's what you see on social media. It's what you see on the TV every day. You've got more yeah. of a connection with someone. Who was born like two thousand miles away and plays for like one of the big clubs, and you have got with like your local club, and I, I, I and I sympathize with people who don't support their local club a bit because technically I don't. Like I'm from Carmarthen, and I support Cardiff, so I can't really get involved in the support your local mm. club stuff as well. So
0: I mean, you a can watch Camarden, don't you? You go watch Carmarthen town from time to time.
1: Yeah, not now. That I live in Wandsworth. No, but I did. Yeah.
0: Well, you got to support like, a local club then? Who's your local club in Wandsworth?
1: I. Well, I did go and watch Dulles Hamlet a bit but then I followed you to go and watch Haringey so yeah,
0: again I've done the
1: same thing where I'm not supporting my (laughs) local club I'm going to one slightly further away
0: I an hour and a half across London to go watch Yeah,
1: yeah exactly but no like you. at the end of the day people want to watch like it's fact that I want to watch good football things you can see why people support Liverpool and stuff but I do get a little bit annoyed when someone from Cardiff is I don't know, it was big to someone, once. Someone
0: someone from the the city you're not from, even though you support their football club, goes to Anfield.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) It it doesn't make sense, but I think a lot of football, being a football fan doesn't make sense, does it?
1: No, I think a lot of football is just getting angry for the sake of getting angry and trying
0: to find someone to direct it at. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm I'm missing most about football during the lockdown, really. I've got no referee to shout at, even though it's the Essex Senior League and Walthamstow FC doesn't really matter. (laughs)
1: it doesn't matter that. to I some people yeah
0: I yeah, know I love it I go all the time I've got scarves badges everything Um am <laughs> thinking of setting up a podcast about them um,
1: I wouldn't I'm bother mate I'm on you not part of this one
0: <laughs> so we, we, we get to the rebrand itself and I think he goes you know when when Tan did his rebrand he kind of changed the badge changed the colours but Haman goes one step further and he wants to change the name of the club and I think he, he, he again this is where he brings in the Welsh stuff I think as, as, as we'll get to that, but I, the question for you, I guess, is as as someone who's never really seen this before, who didn't really know about this, what that change of name page itself, what does that make you feel?
1: That's oh, just fucking atrocious from start to finish, the whole of this rebound stuff. It's like someone said to him, right, okay, you've got 60 seconds, name as many Welsh things as you can. <laughs>
0: yeah. <that's laughs> and he's true. gone
1: Cardiff, Cymru, Celts, uh, Snowden. Let's put Snowden <laughs> on the badge. Oh, England, do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how he's heard of that. Someone's definitely helped him there.
0: He's, 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 sat, he's sat in St Fagin's looking around the room, isn't he, going, what's Welsh here?
1: Yeah, and he's like made a mood board. And he's put, yeah. like, the, he's put the three... Like, the badge change where he's gone. He's put a dragon, daffodils, three feathers. The, oh, he's left the bluebird on there, fair play to him. the spirit of Wales, there's a, a sword and a tree. <laughs> and you're like, come on, mate. What, what are you going what for? What are you yeah? trying here? Yeah, and it's the wrong shape. It wouldn't really fit on a, on a football shirt. No, cause
0: it's, it's a Celtic cross, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's a Celtic cross. It's a lot taller than it is wide. I, I don't know. I can imagine him putting it emblazoned on the back of the shirt like some dodgy back tattoo. Well, it, it,
0: it would take up the whole front of the shirt, you'd think, wouldn't it? Like, it would be the size... Of, you know, that's how long it would be. It would be the whole shirt.
1: Yeah. Oh, his shirt. oh God, I don't understand where he's coming from with it. And, like, he's changing the colours. To be fair to him, though, he hasn't gone the obvious route. When he's going to change the colour, you're thinking red. He's mentioned Wales a lot. he's like, nah, nah, there's two other colours on that flag. Let's have that." What? Yeah, yeah. we'll go we we'll white and
0: green. Why not? But, but then he that, that kind of that, that shows a lack of awareness really that he'd go white, right? Because Swansea were white.
1: Yeah. That's a that's a good point. I, yeah, but Swansea don't exist in this world. They've also been well, Oh no, an... he
0: mentioned when does he mention it here? Yeah, some people tell me that Swansea are the enemy. Swansea, for Pete's sake. There is nothing wrong with Swansea, but is that the extent of our ambition? Never. On the contrary, we want to take everyone in Wales under our wings and have a big Welsh fan base. I do oh, not Lord. say that with contempt but with love. Swansea Aww. people can support their football club if they want on one Saturday, then we play on the next Saturday and we will slowly try to convince them to follow us. That's well, quite an old school idea, isn't
1: it? Yeah, my grandfather did that. So I, my grandfather yeah. was a lifelong Swansea fan. Now the season took like 70 years, but it, because of his mates from school were Cardiff fans, he'd go to Cardiff one week and Swansea the next. But he was always a Swansea fan.
0: Like he, he, was ne- legions, he, was never, he Yeah, he was
1: never going to be won over. He just wanted to go and watch football because so he had nothing else to do. It's like I, I, there's no, I don't know. I don't. I can't get sentences. I have to read enough of this stuff. Like the, it just completely belittles the bluebird idea. So yeah,
0: like, like, what I, is I, it? I guess, that's what I said. I think yeah. What did he say? A little fella, bluebird. It's a nice little fella. Or yeah, it reminds but me that. of I, a swallow. Reminds me of a swallow. I think that's the thing that gets me about this whole thing is that it's like it's such a back. The whole thing is like a backhanded compliment where. On one hand, he's, he's telling us that we're the biggest thing in Wales, that we could be the biggest thing in Wales, that the sky's the limit and this is what we need to think about. And then on the other hand, he's going, but you need to change everything because everything at the moment is crap.
1: I just don't get his problem with <laughs> <a> certain things. <laughs> ah, like, oh, the bluebird is fucking useless. What is it? It's like, yeah, but then you still want a dragon on there. It's so, not like you see them walking down the
0: street either. But he it's... also has the bluebird on the badge. He doesn't get rid of it. He keeps it there. <sighs> That's what I mean. And it's just rumb, it's, it's
1: rumblings
0: it's also this this at the start he says you know when you speak to the BBC I will die by this idea and then when it gets to like the proposal itself so what should the name be I don't know come up (laughs) with some ideas let us discuss and debate the word Cardiff should always be prominent there but the words Welsh Wales Cymru Celtic should also be there as well and then he just goes whether that's the Cymru Cardiff Celts or the Welsh Cardiff City I'm open-minded it's kind of like you can't. You, you, he seems so invested in his own ideas and so sure that this is the right thing, and then just goes, "Whatever, I don't mind. Just choose something."
1: Yeah, he will. he said, "Yeah, he, uh, he, he will die trying to get the change of that." Why well, he hasn't decided what it is yet?
0: Yeah, Well he's want so
1: this invested change. in it. But I don't know what it is yet. Yeah,
0: but I'm really passionate about it. What? What do you? And I, I, I like that 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 name that he puts in the Welsh Cardiff City. I mean, that's such a lack of originality, isn't it? What should we call him? Oh, I don't know. Welsh Cardiff City? Yeah, that'll do. Write that in. Tick, yeah. tick, tick. Name change, done.
1: I hate those bastard English Cardiff City. Well, you know. Uh,
0: yeah. Boo. But what's he up to? It's just Shouldn't like... That, it another just point, doesn't right? It's to change everything. It just doesn't power. change anything with just no reason. Power. But like, there are English Cardiff City fans out there. There are English... You know, I know Cardiff City fans who were born in England. So... If you call them the Welsh card of city, as much as you're going to try and embolden people in Wales to support you, are you going to alienate a smaller portion of your fan base or another portion of your fan base? It, it's kind of so kind of blinkered to the world that it doesn't appreciate what it could do to, to kind of alienate other people. I think like that,
1: that's we've got to differentiate between like club and country, isn't it? You yeah. don't need to bring this national vibe in. Like the biggest clubs in the world have fans from all around the world. And it's like if you support a basketball team, you're going to support a team in America. Yeah. Because that's where the quality is. So you just completely narrowing your market by saying, like, we're Welsh this, Welsh that. And if you, it's almost like if you're outside of Wales, don't bother following us.
0: But is it also not redundant, right, that, that Cardiff City is, as a football club is inherently Welsh? It's the capital city of Wales. It's, you know, won the FA Cup in 1927 when we were the only Welsh club to have done that. So inher- inherently, as, as much as you, you might not think it, being Welsh is a huge part of the club's identity.
1: Yeah, you don't need to hammer it home. You don't need
0: to signpost it.
1: No, I think what it is, though, is like kind of falling for that Welsh stereotype that he's seen on, you know, where the whole land of song, like, yeah, yeah. Like the kind of, oh, the red dragon. And it's like, oh, everyone in Wales is passionate about that stuff. So why don't we just shoehorn it into the club as well? And then people are bound to get behind it. And I think he's just a little bit ill advised. Not a little bit, a lot ill advised.
0: Yeah, a lot ill advised. Or he just didn't listen to anyone else who said that it should be a thing. So we've talked about the logo, and I think. The logo, I, I I might have to make this the kind of uh, podcast photo so people can see it because I,
1: I don't want to see it again, please. It's
0: it's it's painful, isn't it? You know, you think about the Vincent Tan one and that being a bad logo. This is even worse. Um, I didn't
1: think that was possible.
0: No, and I think uh, I get, I guess the question is, you know, he wants the, the colour of the Welsh flag. He kind of wants this change of nickname and this badge and everything else. And I think what you know, there's there's a lot else to, to going on in this document, but I think that the main thr- thrust is that rebrand. And I think. As as a football club, we've the rebrand eventually happened, right? And I think this is the fr- kind of first mention of it that it kind of laid the groundwork somewhat for what happened later. Do you think this softened people up? This put the idea in people's heads, or kind of? I, I think the, idea, the the question is really, did this prepare people for what was going to happen in twelve years' time?
1: Yeah, like I'd love to know if there was a conversation between Sam and Mam and Vincent Tan about this original rebrand proposal. Yeah. Because I, I, I wasn't aware of it at all, but like, I can imagine him saying, oh, we tried it before, You know, there wasn't that much backlash. Yeah. And it's like, go on, have, have a go.
0: It kind See, of... It, yeah, it, it feels like it, it just set, set it up perfectly, didn't it? I mean, like, like you say, you didn't really know about this document. I, mean, I can imagine there are a lot of Cardiff fans out there who have... You know, if he's got a younger section of your fan base, they're going to have come to support the club after this has happened, right? And I think a lot of fans came on board after that Leeds game, that Leeds game was like the awakening, wasn't it, for a lot of fans? We were getting sort of thirteen, fourteen thousand stadium, um, stadium attendances at the stadium back then, and in the last few years, that's gone up to you know we're averaging sort of mid twenties. Yeah. So our, fan, you, our our regular fan base has essentially doubled.
1: Yeah, because you look at it, you said again they, they were hoping for crowds of seven thousand when he first came in. Yeah. Which is like we are a million miles away from that now. Like yes, we get the odd four thousand for like a League Cup game, but even when the stadium. They're in a brand new stadium now, and it looks half empty. There's still twenty thousand people there.
0: Well, no, exactly, and I think you know the club. I think the club has come a long way in that sense, and I think the club has has grown its fan base massively in the last twenty years.
1: Yeah, I, there's no doubt to me that this probably did soften it a little bit for some people, and I think people people would have already gone through this rebrand talk before, but then there'd be others who'd gone through this once and were going through it again, and they're probably the ones who who just didn't come back. After we went back to blue, then
0: no. And can you blame them?
1: No, I, I think there's a, such a massive proportion of Cardiff fans who probably don't have the same love for the club as they did ten years, ten, fifteen years ago. No, and I. Th- still I back and watching them, but it just doesn't do it quite as much as it did before.
0: No, and I think I think maybe that's a discussion for the next podcast because I think we're going to talk about the Vincent Tan podcast with a special guest, the Vincent Tan rebrand in a a bit more detail. So maybe we we park that discussion for the, for the yeah. next time. And then I think we get and I think we get to the fans questions next. So I think that follow the dream. I think we're gonna follow it into the next podcast and now we get on to the fans questions. We had one fan question.
1: Big big <laughs> yeah. fan. Biggest big fan. fan.
0: Well we didn't. We had another question from Orion Chard, but we don't want to talk about it, do we Tom?
1: No. That could be for a future podcast as well.
0: But it was a very good prank, wasn't
1: it? We're not talking we're not talking about this prank now. People don't know what it is, you know? you're just confusing people. Stop please.
0: <laughs> Ryan, we talked about it separately um, and he did tell me the whole story and I do think it was a brilliant, brilliant prank but Tom's a bit too shy to talk about it on the podcast. Yes, I am. So the question we had was from uh, one Reese Jenkins. Um, Dr. Rhys Jenkins. Um, sh- should we should we not forget his title and praise him for the work he's doing currently at the moment on the front line in Nantwich? Um, I don't, um, we went to the Luton game quite recently. The, I think it was probably the last away game. Was it the last away game before? Um, it was my like, last.
1: It was my last. It, away game, it was definitely. our last weekend
0: for lockdown. I can't even remember when it was. This year feels about about three years long already. We we have happened upon uh, the phenomenon of the ground round. Um, so we've been drinking in the Wetherspoons beforehand because I think in Luton that's probably the only place to drink where you where you're safe. Um, oh we would
1: say if there, was, there was already a brawl a half eleven where there was going actually in. <laughs>
0: yeah there was <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was bonkers it was like a topless man with a track tra- tra- two bottoms on with his kids in Weatherspoon and someone already being chucked out as we were walking in it's fantastic yeah
0: and what was that? there was that moment where that someone came in and just started singing opera oh right next to us right next like to us like
1: singing Ness and Dormer
0: yeah absolutely... like literally to our left shoulder it was so bizarre but anyway it was Reese's turn to buy a drink and his solution, because he had to get to the ground and it was about a 20-minute walk from the Weatherspoons, was to get the ground round in. Um, we started singing this, of course, to the Beach Boys. Um, and his question was, I've got to find it now. I thought I had it open. Uh, I it it's <laughs> this is good fun, His yeah. His question was, opinions on the ground round. Should the ground round be left to one person or is it the equivalent of two rounds in a Weatherspoons or equivalent pub? Now, I think this question relates to the fact that at Luton, the bar was underground. Um, Cardiff fans like to start prepping their, their half-time pint around five minutes into the first half. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there was a queue situation which result, resulted in a massive brawl amongst Cardiff fans, which is nothing new. And Reese was down there by himself getting in the ground round and it was quite busy. So, in your opinion, is the ground round a one-person or a two-person job? Or does that depend on how many of you are there?
1: Yeah, obviously. I'd I, I come up with a solution, I think. Go on then. I think you need to bring someone to the game who's not that arsed about the football. We've all got that friend. We've got that friend who comes to football games who's just not really asked on the football. They're just there for the day out. Mm-hmm. So you make sure they're getting the round in because you need to go before half-time, so you're missing 10 minutes before half-time. You're probably missing a bit afterwards. Yeah. But it's also going to probably cost more because the prices are inflated as well. So as long as you get them... You know, enough drinks in the Wetherspoons afterwards. Or beforehand. Or beforehand. I think it's a one-person one, one person job. Get it done so the least amount of people are missing the football
0: possible. That's a very good very good solution.
1: Yeah. But I think fans will get a bit annoyed as they, when there's like a thousand people there. We're not asked on the football getting tickets just so they can get a <laughs> pint at half-time.
0: I'm a designated pint grabber. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, we could just open more bars in Grams, to be honest, instead of just having a door on the side of the stand like Luton
0: did. That, that Luton bar was insane, was it?
1: It was absolutely bonkers. It was literally just a door on the side of it. And then a steward would open it every now and again. And
0: just let to people let people in and out.
1: It was I think
0: Tottenham's, Tottenham's new stadium's got the right idea, hasn't it? It's got the brewery inside. It's got several bars all around the place. I think we went So we went for the Middlesbrough FA Cup game. Yeah. Um, which, obviously, it was Middlesbrough FA Cup, but it was still largely sold out. And there was absolutely no trouble getting a beer. You could get one quite quickly.
1: Yeah, I don't think you could really do that adaptation to Candleworth Road, though, could you?
0: I think you could. I think they're just not thinking big enough.
1: <laughs> Knocked down a whole stand, down a whole stand <laughs> and just
0: build a new bar. Well, it's <laughs> a weird, it's a weird little ground, anyway. I liked it because it was so weird. Because like the away end is sunken, so you're kind of below the ground. You've got all the hospitality boxes on the left, and then there's that weird extra long stand on the one side, and the small stand in the corner. It's just a bit higgledy-piggledy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, like I, it was one of those grounds I always wanted to go to. So It was since seeing the Liverpool looped-in game in the cut. Oh, like yeah, yeah. Alonso, like, go from the halfway, halfway line. line. I'm yeah. just seeing that hospitality bit, because the camera's the other side, and it's just glass all the way across. I'm like, what a waste of a stand. And I just wanted to see it in person, to be honest, and it's just as shit to do as you'd
0: imagine. It's like um, it's like a really shit bombonera, isn't it? Yeah. The Baccus stand has that whole kind of hospitality side on one side, but obviously the, the Bombonero is quite epic in every other way. While well, the Luton Luton's stand not. is um, not really. No, it's, um, it's a bit of an anti climax. <laughs> right, I think we should leave it there. That's the the fans' questions for the week. We had a whole total of two.
1: <laughs> same for three next week. We can do same it.
0: same for three next week. So yeah, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking in, um, with special guests to be revealed i um, talking more detail on the Vincent Tannery brand. Uh, but uh, all that's left to say is thank you once again, Tom Phillips, for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me again.
0: And uh, we'll see you next week.